1: Hey, what's going on, Giants fans? Welcome to the latest episode of our "Talk Is Cheap" podcast. Daryl Slater here with Bob Brookover, over NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, NJ.com. As always, well, we promised you guys we would be uh, we would be back here this week doing a podcast, and we didn't promise what the topic would be, but the topic, of course, is the as we're recording this on Tuesday morning, the Giants Sunday afternoon go up to Minnesota, win thirty-one to twenty-four. Uh, in the wild card round, raucous environment, insanely loud stadium, and on they, on they go. They're one of the final four teams in the NFC, so it'll be Giants at Eagles on Saturday night in Philadelphia. It'll be a fascinating, fun you know, game and a very challenging road setting for the Giants, and of course on Sunday, Cowboys at 49ers, so quite an NFC East renaissance here. And, you know, look, big picture, all you guys and gals know it, Um, you know, what's the Giants are up against, you know, history wise in terms of recent history, having lost 48 22 to the Eagles, the top seeded team well rested in the NFC. Um, And not only that, I mean, the Giants in their last 30 games against the Eagles are including the playoffs uh, and there's only one playoff game in there are six and 24, (laughs) which I mean, wow, they since capping off a three game winning streak against the Eagles during uh, in the first meeting of 2008, when the Giants were coming off that Super Bowl, um, the Giants then went 6-24. and 24. That includes, of course, the 8 playoffs when the Giants were the one seed. They got the buy. The Eagles are the sixth seed, really, obviously, the flip of what's going on now, and the Giants lose in the divisional round in that game in 8 This will be the fourth time these teams have met in the playoffs, 81 wildcard game the Giants won, the 2000 divisional game that the Giants won on their way to losing to the Ravens in the Super Bowl, and then the oh six 6 uh, wildcard game at the Giants and then oh seven or oh eight too so it's it's fourth time fifth this will be the fifth time sorry yeah there there have been four times exactly right Bob so we welcome you in on that and uh yeah uh a lot a lot to unpack so much history so much um bad blood and uh
0: that's what will make it a great game or anything yeah. I, I was that three of those four games you just mentioned so were you on. at one. You one? Were... what's that were you at the eighty-one game? I was. That's the only. That's the one I was at. That, I was at that one as a fan. Oh well. Wow. In beautiful Veterans Stadium, um, it, the Eagles that year had started like six zero, coming off a of Super Bowl, and everybody thought they were going to win Super Bowl, and kind of just fell apart. And the Giants took control of that playoff game early uh, to win. It was, that was an upset win, for sure. And then I wasn't at the two thousand game. I was still covering baseball at that point. And then I was at the other two. I, and It's funny because you mentioned this is kind of the opposite and is, and it's doing a story on the history of the rivalry today. It made me think, you know what, this is, reminds me so much of the year the Eagles went into, uh, they closed down the Meadowlands, they closed down Giants Stadium by uh, beating a Giants team that was probably the best team in the NFL that year. They had won the Super Bowl the year before, and they were a much better team in the regular season that year than they had been the the previous year, but they were, they were leaking oil a little bit. The Eagles had beaten them in the last regular season game uh, that they not, not the very last regular season game, but the the last time they met in the regular, the second time they met in the regular season, the Eagles had beaten, beaten them and grew some confidence from that. And then they beat them again a few weeks later. uh, And it was a stunning loss for the giants. And, you know, it just feels uh, like the giants are that team that the Eagles were back then right now. And the Eagles are leaking the oil a little bit too, going into this, uh, into this game. It didn't finish the season really the way they had played it most of the season.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And that's what makes this game, I think, pretty compelling. Even though the line is seven and a half, the Giants meanwhile are playing their, their best ball of the season. Of course, even, you know, most especially Daniel Jones, who was outstanding uh, in Minnesota. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is going to be a tough challenge for this Giants team. It's a short week. Uh, they're having to go come off the road and now go back on the road. Granted, Philly is not that far, but you know, come off a tough road game, got home late Sunday night. They'll be back on the practice field later today because it is a, a Saturday night game, so not the usual schedule. A, a bit of a shorter week, um, so physically challenging for the Giants, um, and 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 certainly schematically and talent wise, beating this Eagles team is is going to be no easy task. Uh, But obviously expectations high for the Eagles. And like you said, you know, they fizzled a little bit later in the season. Um, But like you really look at the, you know, you talk about that 08 game, right? And yes, the Giants won the Super Bowl in 11. So it's not like they didn't. It's not like they did nothing from the time that game, uh, from the time of that 08 playoff game that lost to the Eagles in the divisional round. But other than the Super Bowl, and I know that sounds crazy because other than they won the Super Bowl, uh, the Giants had not won a playoff game from that divisional round loss to the Eagles in 08, again, other than the Super Bowl run, until uh, the win in Minnesota, so uh, which was their first playoff win in 11 years, first playoff appearance since 16. And this is, you know, it's pretty clear. These are the new Giants, this young, unapologetic, fearless group. Um, I guess we'll just start with the obvious in Jones. So if he plays like he did in Minnesota, and we'll get to predictions later, I mean, the Giants have as good of a chance as ever to beat this Eagles team, right? On Saturday.
0: They, they absolutely do. Um, you know, the, 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 the one thing I'd say about that is especially in the first half, it seemed like the the Vikings, you know, it, it was, they acted like Daniel Jones has no running capability what whatsoever. They just completely ignored his ability to run. And it's not like that was a secret. Uh, I think he's finished third in the NFL and, among rushing yards for quarterbacks. So it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it sure looked like a surprise uh, with, with the way he just, you know, had no problems running wherever he wanted to. You know, on top of that, he he helped himself and the Giants by being deadly accurate, throwing the ball, throwing the ball on the run and throwing the ball out of the pocket. So that made it, you know, certainly difficult to, to defend. But, um, you know, it might have been the Giants offensive line's best game of the season. They they really played extremely well in this game. Uh, but, you know, the, the difference between the uh, Vikings defense and the Eagles defense is huge. The Eagles have people that I, I got to think that they, after watching that, they're going to have somebody uh, or more than one somebody accounting at all times for where Daniel Jones is going. And, you know, they also have... You know, the, the Giants like the fact that they had 19 different guys record sacks this year, which is an incredible stat. It was the most in the league. But the Eagles, on the other hand, had um, four guys rec- uh, record double-digit sacks. And, wow. And, and, you know, and then add Fletcher Cox, who his seven sacks were half less than Dexter Lawrence that led the league. So they almost pretty much had five guys who had many as many sacks as the Giants leader in sacks. So, I mean, they've got a pass rush. They have that, and
1: uh, they they obviously have a couple excellent corners in uh, James Bradbury, the Giants' old pal, and uh, Darius Slay, and so that will be. Uh, and James Bradbury's played really well this year. I mean, last year with the Giants, Dory Jackson was, and we'll get to the performance of a Dory Jackson in Minnesota, but a Dory Jackson was better than James Bradbury last year. So you look at it, you know, they had to cut James Bradbury for cap reasons, and you kind of look at it objectively and thought, okay, it's not ideal that they're they're having to cut him, but you know, Dory Jackson could hold his own certainly as a number one corner and and he has one healthy. Um, But Bradbury this year, man, he's six in PFF pro football Focus's coverage rating number six Um, sauce Gardner, number one, by the way, from the Jets by far. Uh, And, but Bradbury number six, it had a Patrick Peterson from the Vikings um, who had a solid year, but obviously the Vikings did not play well defensively in that game. They gave up chunk yardage to, Isaiah Hodgins to Darius Slayton. Saquon Barkley wound up getting his at the end of the game as the Giants were able to uh pull ahead on his twenty uh what two yard or rather two yard touchdown run there, uh with seven forty-seven left. So they go ahead and win another game in the fourth quarter, which my gosh, I mean that's supposed become this team's specialty, not a comeback win, uh, but they were able to get that uh pull it out there at the end, obviously, and um yeah, I guess we. So the storyline going in, you know, obviously it was going to be Daniel Jones, but they they held Justin Jefferson to like nothing. I mean, remarkable. If you had told, if you had told you that he was going to have one catch in the second half, I mean, you probably thought it would be insane. I mean, he, he, he had, had
0: three for, what was it, three for sixteen yards after the first series? Because uh, it looked like after that first series they were going to light him up all day. Yeah, yeah, and, and then they do Jackson just did the job. He's he that Xavier McKinney thought he could do. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the Giants backed it up.
1: I mean, they backed it up. Um, they really did. And, and cave uh, on Thibodeau doing the gritty dance, the celebration that Justin Jefferson does on, on the field after knocking him out of the playoffs and the Giants certainly earned the right to boast a little bit. And um, now they have to go. So to me, like, do you think, do you think that kind of sent a little bit of a message to to maybe uh, Devonte Smith and uh, AJ Brown? Hey, look out, you know, the Giants can actually, cover people when they have all their their pieces in that secondary
0: i i do but the, the thing the eagles have that the vikings don't is two of them uh, Yep, they got smith and and um and, Brown. Brown, yeah. and you know they also have some deep threats too quez watkins uh so you got to be careful there um and uh i think tj Hawkinson is better than dallas goddard although they're similar and da- i'm not sure how healthy Dallas Goddard is. He was out for a while earlier this season and has only returned recently, but certainly the, the Eagles have more uh, weapons than, than the Vikings did
1: a hundred percent. And then the giants know that from having gotten just roasted and toasted in December, but you know, it's worth remembering no Leonard Williams in that game for pass rush press pressure. Um, no, um, no Adoree Jackson. He was hit the sprained knee from November. McKinney. was
0: Xavier McKinney.
1: Um, so how much of a difference do you think that'll make?
0: Uh, it, it should. I mean, we just it can make a difference against yeah. the Vikings. Uh, and it did. Um, so yeah, it can, it can, there, I mean, the giants are not that team that got crushed by the Eagles. You know, it was their worst yeah. game of the season by far. They are not that team. And this is not going to be that game. Uh, this is going to be a, a, tough, close game. Uh, like the giants always play. Um, and, and they can win it if they, play their best football. They, they, they definitely can, you know, they got to, they got to contain hurts in ter- terms of getting out of the pocket and hurting them with his legs, which he did in that first game. Um, and they, you know, they, they have to do a tight job on the receivers. And most of all, they, they, they have to play a clean game. That was probably the biggest thing that they did against the Vikings. The first time they played ter- had two huge turnovers um, and a block punt. And this game they played a completely clean game and they they came out on top.
1: Yeah, I mean that's why I was a bit surprised to see the line at seven and a half there. It seems a little a little
0: high. Um but Yeah, but I think I think you know, if you factor in the home field, you you know, they're saying they're four and a half points better. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, I think. Yeah, and we're kind of jumping all over between offense and defense, but
1: just these, these thoughts coming to me about how the Giants can win this game and, and certainly, you know, being able to slow down Devontae Smith and slow down uh, A.J. Brown a little bit more than they did in the first game, uh, and, and just like Adoree Jackson was able to do against Justin Jefferson, that, that will be a big part, the Daniel Jones factor, no doubt. Um, the Giants put up 431 yards in Minnesota, their third most of the year. Um, if you look at that Eagles game that they lost 48 to 22 and they didn't really do anything well, they put up three Oh four. It's just hard to imagine them winning. If they're they're not moving the ball to some, at least somewhere on the upper end of that spectrum, uh, closer to the 400, you know, and, and, and and being able to get, you know, quick strike touchdown drives. I mean, they had an 81 yard touchdown drive in Minnesota that took two Oh three, they had a 75 yard one that took three twelve. Um, obviously they had, they had that weird long field goal drive too. Um, and they had a 75 yard one that took 3:23. So they had three pretty quick strike touchdown drives in that game. They were able to move the ball at a really, uh, uh, nice clip. Um, and I think that'll be hugely important if they can, if they can strike early and take the, the Eagles crowd out of it a little bit, like they were able to do in Minnesota. Um, you know, the giants were up. 17-7 until 45 seconds were left in the second quarter of that game in Minnesota. I mean, I will say that's the loudest NFL <laughs> stadium. I've never been to Seattle. That would be the only other one, right, that would probably match up.
0: Kansas City, yeah. I've,
1: yeah, I've never covered a, a good team going to Kansas City. But, man, that was so loud. Um, but the Giants handled it,
0: and I was right. really impressed with that. They did it very well. I mean, there was no false starts. Uh, they did have an, a, a legal shift, but that you know that's not necessarily a noise problem. Um, but you know, it was it was. A, I th- think it was the best game the Giants played all year. It really was. They they just played clean football. Certainly, the best game Daniel Jones Daniel Jones has played the best game of his life and the biggest game of his life. Two of the last three weeks, uh, you know, he played. Great against the Colts and then played even better against the Vikings. Uh, Against
1: a much better opponent. And, um, right. I,
0: yeah, I mean, very clearly he's earned himself
1: a contract. You wrote it immediately after the game. Um, he's going to make a lot of money this
0: offseason, isn't he? Oh, yes. I I, I think that that game, uh, might have put him, I mean, they might opt to wrap him up for five years. And if he did, if they did, it's going to be a nine figure contract. Uh, and um, and I don't think uh, the marrows or Tishes will have any problem doing it if they if that's the route they decide to go. Uh, you know, that's just how good he's looked. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is my first year covering this team, and just from the outside looking in, I, I would be like a lot of people, uh, and probably a lot of people who were covering the team. You know, just wondering, can the Giants win with this guy? And now you look at him and say, how could they? You know. How could they possibly let him go? How could, they, you know, you, you can't even imagine not trying to win without this guy. How could they win without him? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he wasn't just a part, he wasn't just a
1: player on the field in a game that they won. He was, he was the, the, one of the biggest, perhaps the biggest reason they won the game. I mean, 24, 35, 301, two touchdowns, a 114.1 quarterback rating, 78 rushing yards. He carried the ball 17 times. Um, like you said, the biggest, obviously the biggest game of his career in his playoff debut. Uh, and he played the best game of his, uh, career. Um, and you look at, um, where that game ranks, uh, quarterback rating wise. So, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, he had six, he's had six regular season games with a higher quarterback rating than that. So, um, certainly, you know, one of the best games of his career, just even numerically. And you look at what they could wind up paying him in the franchise tag, uh if they use it as a placeholder it becomes the baseline for the negotiation. So right.
0: the funny thing is you said six in his career. Three of them have come this year. Yes. Oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah I'm looking at that I actually didn't look at that part of it. But yeah that his number one his number uh three. So the number one would be the Houston game rating quarterback-wise number three would be the Indianapolis game uh and then number six um would be well, the old number six, the new number seven was the the season opener in Tennessee. So four of the top seven uh now in terms of quarterback rating for him this year, as he's really shown the Giants that, you know, he can be the reason why they win. Not just they're winning in spite of him, but he can be the reason why they win. And so that franchise tag looking at about thirty-two point four million dollars, the transition tag is thirty point four. Uh the bottom line is like the franchise tag is like you lock a guy up, no doubt. Uh, The transition tag you you probably lock them up, it's just a lot to explain, but uh, it's a little looser. Um, like to me, just franchise tag them, it's a difference of two million dollars. Um, and then that becomes the baseline for negotiations, and then they'll have until mid July to lock up, you know, to, to get a contract done. I would be surprised, honestly. I think we've talked about this if Daniel Jones says no, uh, I'm just going to play out the year on the franchise tag, right? I mean, because I guess he has confidence in himself, but there's always a possibility for a player who had like one good year that's been kind of an outlier like this to perhaps revert
0: back. I I would be surprised too, and for an entirely different reason. I would just be surprised because as little as Daniel Jones says, and as much as he keeps things close to the vest, if you just look at that guy – he uh you know he is a one happy human being right now. Um you know he he is just comfortable in his own skin and comfortable in that locker room. Um you know he he might not ever say much but he he's always in that room uh in the locker room. It's not like he he tries to go and hide somewhere. He sits in his locker all the you know for long long periods of time when the locker room's open. Uh you know enjoys talking to his teammates. Um, you know, enjoys talking to Saquon, you know, you can see they have a special relationship. I, you know, I just think he loves it. He loves it here. So that would be why I'd be surprised. And I think probably quarterback of of
1: any position too is, is really coach dependent or, or perhaps uh, to phrase it another way, you know, like the, you know, the coach can can really have a big impact on on the guy's production because we saw I mean, yeah, I'm sure there have been like physical and technique improvements that Daniel Jones has made this year. But th- this is a great marriage for him with Brian Dable in this offense, Mike Kafka, and really Brian Dable's scheme. Um, yep, absolutely. Who? There's no telling if he if he happens to chase a little more money elsewhere, or, or you know something like that. If it if it's going to work out for him with another coach, because we've seen you know in certain coaching situations that it hasn't.
0: Sure, you know, so it's a it's a great thing to look at in a draft like okay, five quarterbacks are taken in the first round, and okay, where did they go? And you, you often wonder if, if this guy had gone there instead of there and this guy had gone there instead of there and ended up with that coaching staff, would their roles have flipped? Because you, yeah. you just made that part of developing a quarterback and whether you fit your quarterback to your scheme or your scheme fits to your quarterback – all that stuff is vital and you know it's 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 hard to define, probably impossible to define, but it's you know, it's like chemistry, it exists. It's just hard to define. Schematic chemistry, really, and um and it's not
1: it's not the same for like say a cornerback or a defensive tackle and you know, like Dexter Lawrence, you know, they should lock him up obviously this offseason, but he can, you know, you could understand, say, all right, go chase the top dollar. Doesn't matter where you go, you're gonna be a great player. But not like we said, not the same for a quarterback. And speaking of Mike Kafka and the job he's done as a Giants offensive coordinator, and let's remember this, too. Mike Kafka calls the plays. I mean, from day one, Brian Dable, even from his introductory press conference, Brian Dable and Joe Shane said, we would prefer to have the new offensive coordinator call the plays. They hire Mike Kafka uh, away from the Chiefs and Andy Reid disciple. Never had called plays, ever, at any level. The guy's 35 years old, which, whatever, you know, it that doesn't matter per se, but um, And now he's sitting here having done this job with Daniel Jones and this offense. And granted, they're not a high powered offense, but they're, we've covered over and over. They're an opportunistic offense. Uh, And the bottom line is they're in the divisional round of the playoffs. They're in the final four in the NFC. Uh, He has head coaching interests from the Colts, the Texans and the Panthers. Now he'll be interviewing uh, next week. Right. Because Brian Dable said yesterday, the schedule is just too tight this week. Right. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, And so, if you look at the teams that need head coaches and I was uh, so Colts, Panthers, Texans, Broncos, and Cardinals, unless I'm missing someone, those five teams need head coaches. Um, So he has interest from three of them. Colts, not just interest, interview requests from the Colts, the Texans, and the Panthers. Uh, I'd be interested to see how this guy would do as a head coach. Do you, do you think ultimately, if you had to guess, will he, will he get, this is his first
0: time in the, in the cycle, as they say, right. right. Um, Do you you Uh, think he'll get a job? I mean, the, the the if the Giants offense plays like this again against the Eagles, it's going to only enhance his, yep. uh, you know, there, there's a couple things. If that happens, also, they've already looked and saw saw that, you know, he took Daniel Jones and everybody else, you know, had, pretty much had the same opinion about Daniel Jones coming into this season. You know, this is his make or break season. And he's obviously – it's obviously been a make rather than a break. Um you know, th- they're all saying that. Um, now obviously there are other factors that go into hiring a head coach. Uh, you know, do they think he's ready? Uh, you know, and it's not just about calling plays that, you know, the, 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 the optimum example of that is Brian Dable. You know, he, he gave up those play calling things to kind of, uh, you know, this was a term used to me by, um, Bob Lamont, who's a super agent for all the NFL head coaches, including Andy Reid, but he used to tell me, head coaches should be CEOs. And that's what Brian Dable has become of the Giants. He's the CEO. He oversees everything. He makes sure everything's running right on game day, uh, on the field. Uh, that's what he's become. So, you know, Kafka has to prove to whoever he interviews with that he can be that, too, Um you know, I don't see Mike Kafka giving up the play calling um, if he got a, became a head coach, but I could be could be wrong. But the CEO part, um, just based on the way he's handled interviews with us, I would have some questions about with Mike Kafka because he doesn't um, he's not an open book. Let's put it that way. You don't have to be an open book, but you I think that you need to be able to handle a media market and and not just a media market uh obviously his players like him and what he's done but you have to be able to run a whole room and i that part i don't know about with mike kafka that would be my question mark
1: run a room is a great way to put it because um the ceo part is a big part of it and the in-game management is an enormous part of it fourth down calls when to punt all that stuff clock management um running a room and managing egos and personalities of a lot of alpha male young guys who can be mercurial, mercurial mercurial at times can be up and down. There we go at <laughs> times. Um, and guys who are at a, you know, a time you, know, you have guys come from all different backgrounds um, and you have to at times get on these guys. You, know, you saw Brian Dable do it, but you also have to manage that with you, the perfect example. He ripped into Jack Anderson. A couple days later, Jack Anderson walks into the Giants facility and Brian Dable not only sits down and talks to Jack about it and apologizes. Brian Dable volunteered to us; he didn't have to, to say this. He publicly put it out there that he um, basically apologized for how he handled that situation. So it's it's managing the emotional state and measuring the emotional state of your team. That's really really important. Um, and now I'll, I'll
0: go back to Jeffrey Horry for a minute when he fired Chip Kelly. His reason given, and everybody laughed at the time. Was he didn't have enough emotional intelligence? <laughs> yeah, maturity and t- right. That the word? right. It, was, it was like at a time, we're like what? Huh? Uh, and you know, Chip had rubbed so many people the wrong way, including including his players, but also including his boss, the owner. Uh, and it's it is it's so vital. And you know, we hear Brian Dable say it all the time. Uh, you know, this is a this is a people business. Uh you have to be able to deal deal with it. And he's right, it is, you know. Not a lot of coaches can be jerks
1: like Bill Belichick and, and still, you know, thrive. And not not to say Mike Kafka would be in that
0: in that Chip Kelly. Right, right. No, I he doesn't if anything he, he He just is he seems reserved is yes. the Say more than he's definitely not a
1: jerk. No, no. And and the thing about to remember about Brian Dable, rookie head coach, Brian Dable's forty seven years old, and he's been Around, you know, he has won big in big settings as an offensive coordinator. Um, in in college, in the NFL, five Super Bowl rings, uh, a college national championship. Worked under Belichick and Saban. Obviously, not only is Mike Kafka much younger, he has much less experience. So, maybe not this off season for Mike Kafka. Um, but eventually, you know, it'll be fascinating to see that when, if and when he does get a shot, how will he manage all those things? Um like um, and that he's seen Brian Dable do so well this year uh, manage the the emotional state of the team but well, you know work work with guys be able to talk with guys and and I think giving up play calling would be important um, I think it's really important for a rookie head coach to if anybody to be that CEO because maybe a veteran guy can get away uh, maybe or even thrive right like Andy Reid right he still calls plays right yeah he's 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 vacillated back and forth between doing it and not doing it over the sure. years. But but he could certainly do it, and still, yeah. you know, and they have the talent too. But um, but yeah, I think that that'll be. It's interesting to hear you say that you don't think he'd give it up. Um, I it perhaps might be a moot point. Maybe this isn't his off season. You see, guys go through a couple off seasons, right? Brian Dable didn't get he didn't get it his first time, and, and shoot, the Chargers, uh, whose GM Tom Telesco uh, went to high school with Brian Dable. Perhaps I don't think at the exact same time. Maybe they went to high school together in Buffalo at the same time. Um, I think Tom, Tom's three years older than him, uh, but they had a connection and they still wound up hiring Brandon Staley instead of Dable. And then Dable, of course, gets the Giants job. I think, uh, what the next off season. So, right. um, sometimes it takes a, a little bit of time, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you, they want to see your body of work. Um, you know, and, and it shouldn't have, let's put it this way. It shouldn't have taken Brian Dable as long as it did. It right. definitely, it definitely should not have, um, but you know he got caught in that, um, caught in that thing with the Patriots, having success with the Patriots, but he wasn't going to move up to a different level there. So you know he had to go two different times. He had to go to different places to become the the OC, um, and because it, it's very rare for for teams to hire somebody other than an offense coordinator, or defense coordinator, or, or in the rare occasion a special teams guy. So. You know,
1: yeah. So I, I I'd heard, you know, it's interesting our the old uh, pal Brian Flores from last offseason's lawsuit and all that. Uh, you know, I saw Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk mention that he could be the guy with the Cardinals who have now hired, hired Monty Austin for the the uh the old Patriots uh personnel guy as their GM. So um maybe if, if Flores goes there that would leave four openings. Jim Harbaugh is staying at Michigan. Uh so Colts, Panthers, Texans, Broncos, um man the Texans are toxic just perpetually um but the Colts are notable because uh Wink Martindale also has a request there we we've gotten so far into talking head coaching stuff and the job that these coordinators have done or and Wink Martindale's performance obviously shouldn't be overlooked he's had so much interest in recent years it just hasn't happened for him um I think he'd be you know I've seen plenty we've seen plenty from him over the years and this year I think he'd I think he'd do just fine as a head coach or at least at the very least you couldn't sit there and say, Whoa, what, what what kind of hire is that? You know, I don't think anyone would be going out on a limb. The Colts wouldn't be going out on a limb hiring him. Right.
0: Uh, Absolutely. not. I think he'd be a terrific head coach. I really, I really do. Um, You know, I I think I'd be shocked if Drew Wilkins wasn't his defensive coordinator uh, for one thing. Um, and who's, who's, for people who don't know, he's the Giants outside linebackers coach, but also the guy who is uh, behind many of um, Wink's blitz schemes. Um, you know, I, and I think Wink would be comfortable with Drew Wilkins calling the plays and, and becoming the CEO, as we've talked about. Uh, and I think he would be terrific at running a room. I really do. I think uh, all of those things, the key for uh, a, a team with Wink Martindale as their head coach is who does Wink hire as the offensive coordinator. Uh, and is that the, does he hire the right person? I mean, it, you know, we haven't really talked about this much on this podcast this year, but one of the the brilliant things that Brian Dable has done is putting this staff together. Uh, the, the right guys. Um, it's a tremendous mix of people who have had success in different places and they've brought it all together and it's become a, you know, a, a terrific melting pot of NFL coaching ideas. It, it has been a great staff. And Wink Martindale, you
1: know, when you're an offensive-minded head coach the DC matters, when you're a defensive-minded head coach, of course, you're off OC matters. And, and so that was always going to be a huge hire. And Wink Martindale has been around for a long time. He turned 60 in May. So it would be kind of cool to see him get a head coaching opportunity. Uh, he's been open about wanting it. Um,
0: so 60, we'll see. We'll see 60, we'll when you better. hit 60, I've heard that's when you reach your prime. Yeah. Uh, Wink's got a year on you or two
1: or something like that, but he's uh, got about
0: about two months on me.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. So he uh, he you know, he's done a great job this year and, you know, uh, things did not end great for him in Baltimore. But, you know, clearly he still has it again, a, a defense that just like the Giants offense, not great, like overall ratings wise, but really good in the red zone, both of those the Giants offense and defense very opportunistic and so it'll be interesting to see if, if the Giants can parlay or if you know this can be parlayed into this run into uh, head coaching opportunities for these guys who have done uh such a nice job and, and like yeah the, when you're a rookie head coach composing your staff is tremendously important and and as you said Brian Dable did a really nice job bringing these guys in making these hires and um and we'll see how it all shake out. This is a little bit different January. We're not talking about who the Giants are, are
0: right. in. we're talking oh, about maybe people right. taking their co- coordinators. That would be that would be also a, a big loss for the Giants. If, Huge. If either one of those guys leaves, because you know Kafkas Kafkas' strength is, uh, you know, I, I had questions about his being a CEO, but he's been a terrific play caller. Oh yeah. So I mean, that's that's a you know Brian Dable would have to find somebody to replace him, um, you know, so. Well, and, and, you
1: know, the bottom line is whether you're successful as a head coach and whether any of these guys will be quarterback is so important. And we talked so much about Daniel Jones. Uh, we can kind of wrap it up for our pick here with addressing the Jalen Hurts situation. Obviously, uh, not that there's a situation per se, but um, they found it. they found a great quarterback. The kid is outstanding. There's no doubt about it. They made the right call. Howie Roseman made the right move there with moving on from Carson Wentz, rolling with Jalen Hurts. Everyone said when they picked Jalen Hurts, What the heck are you doing? You have Carson Wentz.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> so much for that. Um, I always was, We want to become a quarterback factory. <laughs> I believe yeah, something along those lines.
1: <laughs> I mean, factory indicates, and Jimmy Kemsky, uh down there, who does a uh, funny job of doing uh, those stick figure uh, animations, <laughs> had <laughs> a great one. For thing. uh but factory indicates that you're outputting things you know i don't think they want to uh ship off or export or (laughs) jalen hurts anytime soon um you know he is their creation or however you want to put it but he obviously the kid had innate talent um and they've they've been able to shape and mold it and uh but but all that said uh, is he, do you see him in a bit of a lull here coming off the shoulder injury? Is he, is he maybe not physically vulnerable, but like performance wise, should there be concerns here among Eagles fans? Right Yeah. Now?
0: The, the, yeah. The interesting part is, you know, the last time we saw him was against the Giants, uh, you know, what's that? Against back. The Giants, yeah. Against the Giants backups. Um, and he wasn't great by any means, uh, in, in that game, but, the question becomes, and, you know, just, I've read a lot of people Eagles coverage after that and the, and the Eagles didn't really want to say it, but, you know, they were, um, they were very vanilla that day. I mean, it it was obvious that they were telling Hertz, we don't want you to run a whole lot. Uh, What, how many times did he run in that game? He ran, he ran the ball. I guess he ran it more than I realized he ran it nine times for 13 yards. Uh, now I don't know if some of those were scrambled. I, I don't think he had a whole lot of designed runs, uh, but it was sacked three times in that game. Uh, you know, threw an interception, a bad, bad interception, um, to, to Dane Belton in the end zone. He did not play well. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it that he, he did not play well in that game. Uh, he hadn't played great in the, in the game that he got hurt in against the bears either. So he's not, He's not going into the postseason on a high note by any means. Um, what was he against the Bears? He was twenty-two for thirty-seven, three hundred fifteen yards and two interceptions in that game. So in his last two two starts, he has um, he had a sixty-four point six and a sixty-five point one rating, no touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, yeah, and compare that compare that to what he had done before, with twenty how many. 22 interceptions and three picks. Um, So he's not going in on a high note at all. Um, We'll see what the time off did for him in terms of being injured uh, and in terms of having time to study the Giants. Uh, He was certainly terrific against them in the first game, 21 for 31 for two touchdowns uh, and and ran four times for 33 yards. Um, I suspect they will use his legs a lot in this game too. Uh, We will see them try to do uh, what the Giants did to the Vikings with Daniel Jones. I I think we will see that in this game. Uh, Yeah, and you referenced, you know, 22. All all those things make this game compelling to to know for sure.
1: Very much so. Giants on the uptick. um, Eagles may be a little vulnerable. So the team's kind of – one team rising, one team dropping a little bit. So the gap perhaps closed maybe more, certainly more than we saw in 48-22 in December. And you referenced Jalen Hurts, 22 touchdowns, three picks in his first uh, 13 games played this season, a 108.4 quarterback rating. So basically double what he had <laughs> in these last two games, just shy of double. Um, and so we'll close it out here with our picks. And we talked in circles around and around about how we see the, all the factors in this game, trying to to, to distill it here uh look i this is a winnable game for the giants it is they're not going to get blown out i just um you know i have a hard time seeing how they're going to move the ball consistently against this eagles defense which is much better i i don't necessarily think the giants defense is going to be a problem here Uh, i think they'll perform much better against smith and brown and hurts but being able to score thirty, thirty-five, uh, well, thirty-one. They got to thirty-one in Minnesota. Not, not this week. I think uh, Eagles thirty-five, Giants twenty-eight. I, I could see the Giants winning this game, um, but uh, I'll just I got to make a pick. Eagles thirty-five, Giants twenty-eight. Then again, for the record, I picked against the Giants last week. I was the only one in our, <laughs> in our NJ.com picks group to pick against the Giants. All you guys were right i was wrong uh uh so there you go uh, maybe i'm going to be wrong again but 35 28 eagles win how do you see it going
0: i'm just going to make this note first doing there looking at the history today of this of this rivalry it is fascinating the eagles had five games i think um where you know if you ask giants fans the worst memories of, of games against the eagles i think you'd say the miracle of the Meadowlands. And then if you're an Eagles fan, you'd respond with which one. Uh, (laughs) There there have been like four of them. There honestly have been four of them. The the original one, which Herm Edwards uh, returning a a botched handoff, which is why we now have kneel downs instead of teams handing the ball off. That was on November 19th, 1978. 10 years and one day later, the Giants, the, the Eagles lined up for a game winning field goal. The Giants blocked it. Clyde Simmons picked it up and ran it in for a, a block field goal, his own block field goal for a touchdown. Uh, that's 10 years of one day after the original miracle at the Meadowlands. And then you had Brian Westbrook, the Eagles were dead in the water, returned a punt that there's no, there was no, had no business punting him the ball. Uh, I believe it was Jeff Eagles who did it, punted him the ball. He picked it up on a hop and ran, ran in for a touchdown to save the Eagles season. You know, both teams were like on the bubble right there, which way their seasons were going to go. Giants went in the tank. Eagles went to the NFC Championship game. Of course, lost it. Uh, and then the, the Deshaun Jackson and the Eagles come from 28 points down. And Deshaun Jackson returns a on the final play, returns a punt for a touchdown. Uh, all those great moments are Eagles. They're probably in the top 20 moments of the Eagles history. But the Giants fans could always re, uh, rebound with, yeah, but we win championships, which it's like eight to four in championships and – They've been to 15 other championship games and the Eagles have been to like three other ones. So it's a fascinating rivalry is my, my point. Um, uh, which is apropos of nothing, what you're asking me here, I know, but I just, but the 20, I I got the Eagles winning this game 24 to 21, but like you, I could very easily see it going the other way. Um, you know, I, I I just think the Eagles extra time is going to be what gets them over the top here. And and they win this 24-21. Yep.
1: And we didn't even mention Aziz Ojolari with a quad injury. It's just a bruise. So we'll see. He's had an injury played year. He's an important pass rusher for the Giants. And you just reminded me of that by talking about the rest factor and the grind factor. And so there it is. I mean, the Giants having beaten the Eagles um, in the playoffs in 81 and 2000, the Eagles winning. uh, And we're talking about seasons, the Eagles winning in 06 and 08. And so the fifth matchup, the rubber matchup here, obviously, you know, it's not like these teams are going anywhere and expiring after this season, but um, here it is. Obviously, an Eagles team with Super Bowl aspirations, championship aspirations, a Giants team that is trying to remind everyone hey, we're not just happy to be here. Um, they, as Darius Slayton said after the game, the Giants have vowed to be a tough out in these playoffs, uh, and they have been so far. So. Uh, we'll see what comes after this. It was interesting to see the, the Vikings in their pregame hype video talk about being four wins away. I mean, they were trumpeting it to their fans, four war wins for our first championship. My gosh, they hadn't even kicked off the first wild card game. And that was in the hype video. Giants aren't thinking like that. And if the Eagles are thinking like that, I doubt it'll be in the hype
0: video before the game. Um, you know, you know what Darius Slayton says, we're looking forward to the booze in the middle fingers. <laughs> and 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 just set it in the
1: most deadpan shrug it off way it tells it like it is uh and there will be plenty of booze plenty of middle fingers and plenty of b-o-o-z-e booze uh with this being a a saturday night game in philadelphia in south philly so if you're making the trip get there early be safe uh you know maybe take the train if uh, maybe i'll see some of you guys on amtrak on saturday afternoon but i'll, I'll probably be make going down there later than everyone else who is uh all the fans i'm sure want to get down there nice and early get ready for what should be a uh, really fun game in a crazy setting so so safe travels to anyone who's making the trip uh enjoy the game and and we'll say it again uh well first of all please like review subscribe uh rate and review all that good stuff on all your podcasting platforms but we'll say it again uh We'll be here back next week, back here next week, and um what we'll be talking about, we'll see. I think regardless of how this game goes, we'll be talking about either a continuing or a finished, uh, successful Giants season. Because no doubt that's how uh this is this could be framed. Because, but if they're if they're still playing next week, then we could be talking about one of the best stories in the NFL in, in recent memory. Uh something more than just a team that uh had a great great run and won a game and then then you know got- it's
0: almost like a team went nine and seven and went on to win the Super Bowl
1: that's never oh wait 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 <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right uh, it's happened before uh with this Giants uh franchise and uh they're still you know a little ways away from that but uh Saturday night will be a huge challenge and it'll be fun to watch and everyone enjoy the game and we'll be back here with you guys next week so uh take care